McDonald's one, two, three dollar menu has breakfast, which means now you can get your favorites for one, two, or three dollars. Or, as Jill likes to call it, the I burnt the toast, set off the smoke detector, and filled the apartment with smoke meal. <coughs> Build whatever breakfast you want with McDonald's one, two, three dollar menu. Get your favorites from McDonald's one, two, three dollar menu, like a delicious sausage McMuffin or sausage biscuit, each for just one dollar. A la carte only at participating McDonald's for a limited time cannot be combined with any other offer or any combo meal. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Denise Alexandra Powell. She is a successful lawyer of over 40 years in Birmingham, Michigan, and has been a self-directed student of spirituality since she was 14. Denise has served as a planning commissioner for two different communities, a councilwoman, and on several nonprofit and professional boards. She has received the Circle of Hope Award for her service to families and victims of child abuse. Denise is also the author of The Power of Ten, A Guide to Living the Ten Commandments and the Golden Rule in Modern Times. The book is a unique reinterpretation of the Ten Commandments and the One Golden Rule designed to make these precepts urgent and relevant to today's world, especially when truth seems fluid and morality is a matter of perception. Denise and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey as an attorney, wife, grandmother, community leader, and her book, The Power of Ten. Good morning, Denise. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Johnny, and thank you for having me on your show. Wonderful. It is a pleasure to have you on the air with me. The Power of Ten is truly a compelling and easy read. It is very well written. The concepts are easy to apply in one's life. So congratulations on its release. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Let us start by getting to know you a little bit better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. I I grew up in a suburban um, community outside of Detroit. It was a predominantly um, middle class, uh, very heavily Jewish community. My um, we had the best school system at the time outside of Cass Tech in Detroit, so I had a great education, and it was the days where you could ride your bikes and disappear all day long, just be home for dinner, so I had a blessed childhood with great friends, um, and then my sister got divorced when I was in high school and moved back home, so that kind of set me on a, my journey to become a divorce attorney, because there were no attorneys mm-hmm. in our family. Mm-hmm. And um, I, you know, been successful in that arena. Always involved in politics. Took me three times to find the right husband, and we'll be celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary this October. Um, I have stepchildren. I've been uh, step parent in a couple marriages, but I have wonderful step two stepsons and grandchildren, and I am grandma. And I've I think I've had a very blessed life. Fantastic. How significant was religion in your family's life when you were growing up? 
Well, we were a typical, you know, um, culturally Jewish family. My father mm-hmm. worked retail hours, um, so we weren't real strong practitioners, although, um, you know, holiday dinners, go to synagogue on the high holy days. But mm-hmm. I was... Um, but I did get a religious education until I was 13. So I went to Hebrew school. I went to Sunday school. Uh, therefore, but most of the time, we only never really got past uh, Genesis and uh, <laughs> Exodus in the Bible readings. But my very best friend growing up across the street was Orthodox. And I spent mm-hmm. more time in her home growing up than my time. So I really went to synagogue with her every Saturday for many years. You know, really... Uh, practice the religion in her home at a much um, greater depth. So her family was more structured. My family was all love, but not a lot of boundaries. So I got a little bit of balance from both. Very interesting. Was there ever a curiosity at the time to sort of explore what is this quote unquote, doing something that I really can't see, but it's sort of faith-based. When I was 14, um, I was babysitting at my sister's home. My sister's 11 years older, and so my nieces were 11 and 15 years younger than me. But I was babysitting with a girlfriend, and we had a very unusual, almost extraterrestrial feeling event that occurred. And as a result of that, our conversation that evening and my my curiosity from that point forward mm-hmm. set me really... You know, it was the days of Twilight Zone and Rod Serling, and really intellectually <laughs> seeing where he was coming from, I could see yeah. that maybe there were other dimensions we couldn't see, and I started reading voraciously, you know, from a cult to spirituality, trying to find answers and feed, you know, my soul. And so that mm-hmm. really sent me in that journey. Very, very interesting. Why did you decide to go to law school? When my sister got divorced when I was in high school, I was going to be a writer, journalism. I was always a good student. I was always planning on going to Michigan undergrad. but And I also was a talker. So the combination <laughs> of uh, the communication and the fact that we didn't really have lawyers in our family when my sister got divorced, yeah. not only did it send me to, the, to be a lawyer, I knew I was going to be a divorce attorney from the time I entered mm-hmm. undergrad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And you were so determined in terms of following the family law versus anything else. It just doesn't fascinate you. It was, first of all, it's personal. It, it's problem-solving mm-hmm. real people as opposed to dry. I was the kind of kid who, when I wrote a term paper, it was never the structured dry paper. I always found a creative <laughs> outlet. I'd write them in, in the form of a play. I'd do parodies. So family law you know, was, to me, personal where... You know, corporate law, tax law, even though I was good with numbers, I mean, I was off the chart on the SAT on the, on the math part. It was just, it wasn't personal. It didn't have that connection to really helping, um, I guess, feeding the humanitarian, Aquarian personality that I am. My birthday's in February. <laughs> didn't feed the soul. Even though it might have, my mind was geared for one thing, my heart was geared for something else. Very interesting. And I can see that and hear that in the way you communicate right now, because you have that sort of 
flow, whereas I would say corporate law and every other law that is out there besides the family law is sort of cut and dry. I mean, I understand that the laws in family law that are absolute, there's no doubt about it. But I think in the process of arbitration, negotiations and so forth, it's not dry. It's got a lot of feeling to it. Well, it's like, you know, you still have logic, and I, you know, I'm a pretty right. logical, straightforward thinking. You know, common sense right. um, has always been my forte. But again, it's about the heart. You know, mm-hmm. when you add a column of numbers, there's no feeling. That's right. That's what I was trying to allude to, in a sense, because it's dry. It's just that's the plain, simple, a matter of fact kind of thing. <laughs> right. It's just pure, absolute, and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and again, it's not soulful. It's just um, it's just structural. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. That brings me to the next question in terms of as you look back in life from your teenage years and so forth all the way to now, how did your spirituality evolve over the years from a teenager to a single woman, a wife, a mother, and, of course, a grandmother now? Um, it's just, you know, reading, observing, practicing, you know, I've had a spiritual um, view in everything I've ever done. It's mm-hmm. I was a successful family law lawyer because I gave spiritual guidance to my clients. I took the counselor part of attorney and counselor seriously. I've also looked at things from a more, you know, everything from, you know, not just the legal result, but what's the moral result. So it's it's just been my nature and whether it was growing up in my girlfriend's house, whether it's my metaphysical <laughs> studies, um, whether it's, you know, it, it's just a gift that I came here for. I always came here to make the world a better place as a divorce attorney. My world was always, I'm, I didn't have my own children cause I was here to make the world a better place for other people's children. And I'm here to help transition us to a better time. And I think that's what my book is about now. Take It's the sum total of this journey in terms of, okay, how do I bring our population back into, you know, balance with our, you know, our personal moral direction, which seems to be in, right now chaotic at best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have always had that natural leadership tendency when you were growing up, sort of a take charge or self-starter in a way based on just the way you talk and the way you communicate here and the way you've written the book. Looking back, of course, when we were in the moment at any given time in our life, whether it's a teenager, as an individual walking down the streets and so forth, did you ever look back now and look at these were all the pieces that was coming into an orderly fashion to who you are today. Absolutely. I look at, you know, my friends used to say I, I you know, could fall into a pile of doo-doo and come up a rose <laughs> or make, I always made lemonade out of lemons. I've always seen everything as a stepping stone. I laugh because I look at politics. I was a, you know, I was involved mm-hmm. in local government as a councilman and planning commissioner. I worked for the state of Michigan and ran for a while the Domestic Violence Prevention and Treatment Board and the Governor's Task Force on Children's Justice. I went to Washington for a while. I was mm-hmm. a deputy assistant secretary for community planning and development. I wasn't long at any of you know these really, but I said, you know, I had state local state and federal government 101 for a reason there are mm-hmm. tools that were given to me i've just not yet figured out how they're mm-hmm. going to be put together other than the fact mm-hmm. i believe that my purpose is to take 
these experiences and help us fix what's wrong. It's just a matter of when. I went to Washington, and I realized there I wasn't fixing anything. This was back in the <laughs> early 90s because they weren't ready to be fixed. And, I, and I'm looking 25, 26 years later, and it's worse and not better. So, yeah, those are the things that, you know, it's, they're all building. You know, it, the journey is a, is a collective journey, and each lesson right. builds on its own. I wouldn't be in my marriage of 25 years with the most wonderful man in the world if I didn't have my prior marriages and able to really see what was missing. And the key was somebody who always had my back. Right, if I right. boil it down to a relationship, we have each other's back at all times, and it's never mm-hmm. stopped. That's true. That's wonderful. When did you experience a self-awareness and joy in your spiritual journey? Uh, I think if you're following spirituality, you, f- you, get mm-hmm. joy- you get moments of joy all the time. These aha moments, the affirmations when you get chills over your body that you're, you're seeing something that is magic. Our life is magic. And so, you know, whether it's a you know, lightning storm or rainbows or watching wildlife, everything that's spiritual touches your soul and it's recognizing it. So I think that um, I, I view that very early on. Very, very interesting. So what moves you to write The Power of Ten? Well, I think that God or Source, you know, and I try to mm-hmm. be all in inclusive in my terminology so as not to say this doesn't apply to this person or that person. Um, I believe it gave it the book to me. I was, you know, I always had this observation of the Ten Commandments applying, or not always, for a long time I did. But the book itself and the message was, you know, I sat at a computer over four weekends back in 2010 and it flowed out of me as if I was channeling something. It sounded like a very long sermon mm-hmm. at the time. It took a while before I had the time to sit down and put it into a format that would be a pleasant read as opposed to, you know, God lecturing you. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we need that, though. <laughs> well, I tried to. I hope I. I hope that um, God will be fine with my edits, you know, because the <laughs> message was there. But it was, you know, we live in a world where people are used to sound bites and short messages and inspiration, sure. as opposed to reading a long treatise. And I didn't want them to fall asleep reading the book. I understand that. Well, the book is fascinating. I love the concept of the Ten Commandments, and in all actuality, I agree with you. In every religion of philosophical discipline that people follow around the world, essence of the Ten Commandments are all over the place. So it's They're, not something that is exclusive in a way. Well, they are. The, I view them as the, a roadmap for humanity, the rules for mm-hmm. the road, and it, and they were given to us for a reason. You know, Mm -hmm. they just didn't manifest out of nowhere. They were here to help us in our journey as we evolved to being our highest good and choosing to do the right things as opposed to the wrong things. They are a moral code, a moral compass. So true, so true. Please remind us, what are the Ten Commandments? I would love to. And if I can, I would love to give you a couple words for each one that I think. Of course. Uh, personify the meaning of that commandment. I am the Lord your God. 
I view that as, you know, love and respect, love of um, God, self, each other, and also respect of, you know, ourselves and each other and our, our role. I have no other gods before me. Um, to me, that's about uh, gratitude and service and recognizing that the material world is not where we get our joy because it, it's filling a void and that when we honor everything that isn't God first, we lose our way. Um, do not misuse the name of God is about taking responsibility and seeking peace and not blame in the name of God. Um, keep the Sabbath holy to me, that's really about reflection and renewal. It's about taking time to tune, uh, tune out, uh, tune in, and tune up is sort of that commandment. Um, honor your father and mother. That's really about finding balance in everything. It's the duality. It's about learning and teaching. It's about honoring our elders and making sure we're taking care of our children. Um, it's the the masculine and feminine and all things need to be in balance. Do not kill. That to me is about creating and nurturing, about living, and it's about recognizing that killing is not just a life, but it's a spirit, it's it's people's dreams, it's people's energy. Do not commit adultery. To me, it's about um, commitment and the courage to honor the promises you make to yourself and each other so that we can build trust. Uh, do not steal. That's really about you know recognizing everything is borrowed and that everything needs to be just and fair and that we give we give as opposed to give and receive we don't take and that we allow ourselves to receive by asking permission. But that's it's really justice and charity. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. To me, that's just about truth in all things and integrity, and that we destroy people when we are honest, you know, dishonest about, you know, our other, you know, the people around us when we spread gossip. Mm-hmm. Um do not cover your neighbor's belongings. To me, it's about finding contentment and joy in your own life because if you're too busy watching what's going on in someone else's backyard, you're missing your own um, talents and joy in life. Mm-hmm. And then the golden rule, obviously, is you do unto others, so do you do unto yourself or do unto others as you would have done unto you. To me, that's really about just, you put, you know, Put out what you want to receive. It's the karma. Mm-hmm. It's about being, but it's also recognizing that that there is a connection. We're all one, and that whatever we do in the fi- in the fabric of the universe resonates. So so true. So that's so the true. commandments and sort of my underlying simple message. Obviously, each one <laughs> has a lot of layers to it, but that's kind yes. of the drilled down version. The reason why I asked for that is you'd be surprised. Everybody has heard about the Ten Commandments, that sentence, the Ten Commandments, right? But what are the Ten Commandments? <laughs> and that's when, hmm, I know thou shall not kill for sure. <laughs> but killing uh, is about every commandment <laughs> is both its positive and negative aspect. So you have right. to look at it. If if God is telling me to do something, what is God telling me not to do as well? Right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, and the first five are really about 
you know, um, your connection with, you know, your, with God and, mm-hmm. and, and yourself and your family and, and the planet. You know, this Sabbath, it, you know, Sabbath is a big thing. And, and the order that they go is very important. They follow a pattern. The second five are really about how we live with each other on the planet in order to stay in your own journey and find joy in your own life. I agree with you totally because the simplicity, regardless whether are you extremely religious or not, the Sabbath to me represent, technically speaking, okay, if you want to take eight days or seven days or six days, regardless of whatever you do, there got to be a day of rest to replenish. Absolutely, and and again, you you know there were. Several aspects. You know, one is the you know meditative or reflective. It's where you go inside and really, you know, get to know yourself, know what's in your heart, and look at the last week. What can I do to make the next week better? You know, and that's really, and then a sense of renewal. You know, but it's also time for family. You create sacred space. Um, this, I got the real feeling of Sabbath. I told you about growing up in my girlfriend's home across the street. On, on the Saturday, they were Jewish Sabbath. I mean, you walked to shul or to synagogue in the morning. You did, you pray, prayed together. You came back. You had lunch. There were no televisions on. There were no telephones. They didn't turn on lights. And you just spent quality time communicating with your family or out in nature. And, you know, right. it was very, very special. There's a reason God rested and looked at, you know, this is good. You look at what's good, but you also look and say, okay, you know, this is what keeps us connected. And the prayer with, as a group, you know, prayer magnifies. It's the, it's the power of the energy of the group going out there. Mm-hmm. You know, the resonating, coming together, it, you know, in the Jewish religion, a minion of ten. You have to have ten people in order mm-hmm. for the prayers to really go out there. So, you know, it's, and you're praying for each other and you're putting a message out for for the community, you know, by coming together. You know, so that's, to me, you know, why it's, mm-hmm. all of that is so important. So true. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Denise Alexandra Powell. She is the author of The Power of Ten, a guide to living the Ten Commandments and the Golden Rule in modern times. The book is a unique reinterpretation of the Ten Commandments and the One Golden Rule designed to make these precepts urgent and relevant to today's world, especially when truth seems fluid and morality is a matter of perception. We're having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey as an attorney, wife, grandmother, community leader, and, of course, her book, the power of 10. Denise, what is Kabbalah? Uh, Kabbalah is the, um, it's the ancient Jewish wisdom that explains the eternal laws of how spiritual energy moves through the cosmos. Basically, it's quantum physics. Don't think that we invented it. The Bible had it, and, you know, the ancient um, religions all understood how physics worked and you see it in a lot of the teachings today as they become you know available again to the masses and that was the jewish version of it um and it was depicted by the tree of life which is 
sort of a geometric design when the radio, you know, it has a, a almost like a um, a crystal shaped design, yeah, you know, with the point at the top, and it has ten spheres on it as it resonates to the bottom, and each mm-hmm. sphere of these ten spheres has an attribute associated with it as you. Um, as you go down, climb down the ladder, so to speak, from heaven to earth and create life on earth. And you, each of those attributes are coincidentally um, have a nice nexus with, with each of the Ten Commandments, and I don't think it's so coincidental. But mm-hmm. And then there's an 11th, actually an 11th sphere in the middle that's the invisible sphere that's called dot, and it represents oneness and intuition. It's the no. It's all knowledge, and that it's an unseen within the um, tree of life. So interesting. The tree of life has its own golden rule, its own extra um, <laughs> commandment, and that's how, you know. So that's really the connection. Very very interesting. So how is the tree of life connected with the Ten Commandments? Well, as I said, each of the sphere out, I think, is uniquely designed. They they mm-hmm. both go from heaven to earth. Right. Um, you know, the, the tenth sphere, the Hebrew uh, translation of Malchus is kingdom. Do not mm-hmm. um, covet your neighbor's belongings. To me, is how you live yeah. in your own kingdom, your own journey. The But they also are referred to, the tree of life, the Torah, and the Ten Commandments themselves have all historically been referred to as the Tree of Life. Mm-hmm. So it, mm-hmm. you know, there's no connect, there's no coincidence. Um, these are just universal truths that were, you know, in our history for a long, long time. My understanding of the Kabbalah, some of the texts in the Kabbalah itself, which is interesting. This is when I read a book by a Rabbi David. I can't remember his last name, but he wrote a book years ago titled God is a Verb. God is a Verb. <laughs> I read that book as well. And I, met, I think I actually referenced it in my bibliography, mm-hmm. in my book. Yeah. Um, I thought it was fascinating. Yeah, mm-hmm. very fascinating. And there are those who believe that a lot of the New Testament is actually – um, some uh, parables and references to the texts of the Kabbalah because you could not learn it unless you were a learned scholar. You weren't permitted access to the information. And in the Jewish tradition today, pretty much it's still the same. And there were things with regard to people's connection with God that Jesus believed and his disciples believed should not have been left solely to the discretion of rabbis, whether this information should be given to the masses so they could have a stronger spiritual connection. And a lot of it is believed to be, you know, translations of it in the New Testament. Right, right, right. So true. What I gathered from that book and reading that book, what fascinates me, because my mom was very good with the ritual side of the equation, the spiritual side of the equation, being a Chinese and living in Malaysia, where the cultures already sort of immersed with one another, right? And Correct. here, I find that, wow, these people some two, 3,000 years ago or whatever, they sort of have certain commonality. 40 days, 7 days, 100 days, 
it's just fascinating to me because, and the question is again, how does these people know that? And of course, at the time, the world is where you live. There's no Google. There's no plane to get you from one end of the world to the other side of the world. So the commonality has got to be, say, the spirit, the source of God or whatever, because these people were, uh, they have the same stuff that they were focusing on. Look at, you don't have to look 2,000 or 3,000 years ago to see that concept in action. If you look Mm -hmm. at the, in the 1800s, the um, automobile, the horseless carriage, was mm-hmm. invented in different parts of the world at, um, by different people who had no communication with one another. I believe that the information is out there in the universe, and those who have the capacity um, to receive it will. Mm-hmm. And that the information may change during you know, a certain time frame. You know, the frequency of what's being emitted through the universe. And if you're able to tune into that frequency, you will draw upon it. And there were those, you know, at that time in various parts of the world who could draw on that frequency. I'm so glad you mentioned that. You reminded me of what my Texan mom told me. She's highly intuitive. I asked her in terms of like, well, how people are intuitive and how so-called psychic and whatnot and so forth, right? And he says, John, just think about it this way. The air is filled with all the signal. Is whether you got the right antenna. Think about the TV antenna picks up the visual. And the radio antenna picks up just audio. Is the air missing the video? Of course not. You just don't have the right antenna to pick it up. Well, I figured that out when I was 16. I, wow. I, I was in Toronto and I... And I told someone, you know, our brains are receivers that are picking up frequencies. It just, you know, how how tuned up are we? How how tuned in are we? And right. you know, and that's really and part of again going back to Sabbath. When you tune, some, when you tune in, you know, when you tune out, you actually tune in and you do pick up things. You do mm-hmm. learn things, and that's. You know, part of the information. It's it's out there being given to us all the time. It's just whether That's we so unfortunately there's a lot of misinformation in this time being given mm-hmm. to us too. You know, it's how do right. you discern? How do you tr- right. discern truth from fiction? And your body will give you physical signs. I mean, you know what I call affirmations. When I get a chill through my body, it's as if. You know, it is resonated with some very profound truth. I agree with that. You're right. I mean, our entire body is the dish, so to speak, if you want to talk about antenna dish, because if you touch something hot, it's receiving the signal and it's telling you that it's hot. We just think differently. Well, that's why I think all this, all these chemicals and preservatives and things that are in our air, our water, our food supply are not helping our receptive capabilities. They're 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 interfering, and that's I think why you see so much so much more disease, particularly mental health, which is mm-hmm. really purely chemical impulse. Um, through our body, that's our nervous system. That's where, yeah, the that's where these synapses are. That's I think why you see it because there's so much interference. So true. How is the power of ten applicable to non-Jewish or Christian people? 
Because the principles apply no matter what your religious beliefs. I don't think that mm-hmm. whether you believe Moses w- was given the Ten Commandments directly by God or some extraterrestrial from another planet that was more evolved than this planet came and tried to help the evolving population you know, have some rules to, uh, to live by be- before they killed each other all. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter because they're universal principles. It's they're not based on religion. They're based upon um, the the metaphysical um, way we live with one another. You know, it's and you know they are there to guide us. They are there. We are human beings. We have gifts that other life forms on this planet don't have. We have to know how to use them wisely. And as I said, it doesn't matter where you believe they come from. Um, just like uh, nine is the square root of 81, it, it, it just is. It's not something you can argue. That's true. Why did you decide to modernize the concepts, though? Well, I think if you, you know, people think of the Old Testament, they think the Bible, they think of them in terms of, you know, the stories that, you know, um, were going on during that time. We needed to look at them through a different lens to modern times, the way we are living today, and, and see how they, each one of these commandments has application in a number of areas of our life, you know, so that the reference point is, is today not 3,000 or 4,000 years ago. I agree with that. I'm not trying to be funny, but respectful here. Great recipes, food recipes. And I understand that you're a foodie yourself, and you understand this. I am, this. I am. Like, <laughs> and you understand that great recipes, this doesn't die off. What it does is that it's refined through the generations so that it will appeal to that generation's taste buds. Correct. And um, and you, well, I used to collect cookbooks, except now you you, know, you Google, you can find any recipe you want. <laughs> um, but there was you know, but you you look at the old cookbooks and the old recipes. I mean, yeah. I once had a cookbook that was put out by Pillsbury years ago, where they uh-huh. talked about the evils of whole wheat flour and why enriched uh-huh. uh, white flour was the way to go. You know, it just mm-hmm. it, it's it was in the context of that time. You know, so right. it, and how recipes change, how our eating habits, how about all the recipes that contained oleomargarine? The reason they, were, they contained oleo is because people couldn't get butter. Not that oleo right. was necessarily better, but that's what was there. That's what um, was written. Now I go back. I, I use all butter in my recipes regardless of what <laughs> it calls for because it was the context of the time. That's correct. So true. Please give us a few examples of modern applications to specific commandments? Um, I think one of the easiest is obviously looking at have no other gods before me. I mean, mm-hmm. look at the marketing that we are, um, you know, we are basically inundated with, whether it's the celebrity aspect of sports stars and, you know, their endorsement, uh, whether it's, you know, name brands of products, all these things are designed to deflect from us choosing based upon what's important as opposed to what we're being conditioned to think what we need. And we wind up, and people worship money. They worship people who have, with stardom. Yeah, they want right. to be like them instead of being like their highest self, 
how would God want you to be? And also right. looking to yourself to be the one who feeds your soul. That you're The only person who you have to please is yourself. And if you're living your life to please other people, then and, and God. God is the ultimate because you have to look at it as who's really judging me, the unseen. I think we talked about this a little bit, that if you don't have some moral compass of an unseen person, yeah, I'm harder on myself than anybody else mm-hmm. is on me because I set a standard based upon what would God have me do. If I set my standard based upon, you know, um, somebody's celebrity who's, you know, got unwed children all over the world, you know, <laughs> or, you know, his children as a result of, you know, relationship. I mean, and that's my, that's what I'm basing my standard of. I'm not going to be really living a life that cares about the kind, the quality of life that my children are raised in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's that recognizing that we are responsible in the eyes of God first and that at the end of the day, that's who matters and then ourselves in that, in that um, window or looking through that prism. So, I mean, and, you, and just giving examples, you know, that everything is based on you go on social media, what do people think of everything? You're, you're looking for validation from the wrong places. So true. Is there a pattern or sequence that emerges as you go through one commandment to the next? Oh, absolutely. You start with your connection with God, yourself, and each other, and then you recognize that what's important isn't what's, um, you know, what the material world has to offer. It's all borrowed. You never see a hearse following, followed by a Brinks truck on the way to a funeral, and that we have, and that we're stewards. We can't blame God. We have to be responsible for what we do, whether it's with, to ourselves, to one another, or to our planet. It's all, we're stewards. We have to, you know, by taking time off to reflect and tuning out, we're then able to see the pattern and reemerge to try and fix it. Um, we honor our, you know, we go through our family, you know, the relationship between our parents to ourselves, to each other, and the balance that we're trying to create so that we're always looking to, you know, teach and, and educate and, and remember history. And, and then we go through, you know, we, wanna, we don't want to kill. We want to create. We want to honor our promises. We want to, you know, build trust with one another to create communities. We have to recognize that we have a responsibility to, you know, respect what we have and, and, and what other people have that we can't take. We allow ourselves to receive. Then, um, and, and then it's about you know the honesty and truth that we're what tr- we're creating so that we can build a world together that we can rely on as well as our neighbors build the community that allows us to live our life in joy and and contentment because we are living the the life we're meant to be to me that's how it drills down very very interesting so true can you explain the concept of duality in chapter 5 i find that Word, fascinating. Well, you know, we live. First of all, our very creation is a dual creation. We are still our soul coming from you know God itself, in, embodied in a physical for, 
format. So we start out duality. We are our soul and our body is one. And the choices we make are trying to maintain the balance so that our essence isn't destroyed and we return to God richer for the experience in life. So that's my first basis for duality. And to create, there's a masculine and feminine in everything. You know, God is, you know, is often viewed as the masculine in the sense that earth, the physical, is the womb, mother earth. But it takes both to create anything. And then it's about... And then the duality, how do we choose? We're, we're light and dark. We're good and evil. We, we choose to be what we are. We have free will. But the choices we make in the duality is how do we stay in a point that keeps us, you know, pure, keeps our essence pure. So, you know, and that's really um, how I look at the fifth commandment. And how do you... How do you do that? You honor the lessons of the wisdom of your elder because they've had more experiences and they have gifts to teach us so that we don't make the mistakes. But at the same token, we are teachers to the next generation, another balance, another duality. So it's looking at everything has its shadow side. Everything is both positive and negative. Everything is a charge, the neutron, the electron. So it's seeing it in all things. And that's why we have choice. It's to be able to pick, stay in balance by recognizing when we're out of balance. So true. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. My guest is Denise Alexander Powell. She is the author of The Power of Ten, A Guide to Living the Ten Commandments and the Golden Rule in Modern Times. The book is a unique reinterpretation of the Ten Commandments and the One Golden Rule designed to make these precepts urgent and relevant to today's world, especially when truth seems fluid and morality is a matter of perception. We're having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey as an attorney, wife, grandmother, community leader, and of course, her wonderful book, The Power of Ten. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. This is interesting, Denise. You obviously are a painter, and you painted the cover art. So can you describe it to us, and what does it mean? Well, I wanted the book to, you know, the title is The Ten Commandments. I wanted it to show that it was more than just a Christian book. And and since I used as a, an overlay the Tree of Life from the Kabbalah, and it's not a book about Kabbalah other than as a reference point for the, for the meaning of each sphere, um, sort of as a, you know, a subheading. I wanted to depict the Ten Commandments not as the written commandments, but as each of the, um, as the drawing of the Tree of Life. So on the first mm-hmm. half mm-hmm. is the top half, of the tree of life, which coincides with the top five, you know, first five commandments. And on the left side was the bottom half of the tree of life, which you know, coincided with the you know, five, uh, six through ten in the mm-hmm. Ten Commandments. But as I drew the drawing, and I, in relationship to the spheres on the tree of life, I noticed in the upper half, if you connected the piece that was missing, you had a Star of David, and on mm-hmm. the right side, I saw that you had a cross. 
and I very lightly, in in just yellow, illuminated the Star of David and the cross to really show it's all one. Right, right. And, and it was really that's... to me, I couldn't find any art that <laughs> depicted what I was, what the, my book to me depicted. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, to some, it doesn't. You know, there are those who would criticize. It's not really a very professional-looking cover. It kind of looks like <laughs> primitive art. But again, the theme is pretty primitive. It's pretty basic. Right, right. I thought the cover-up was perfect. It really connects with the book, and I sort of saw the light, the yellow outline. Right, you talk about mm-hmm. the star, David, to kind of complete it, and the cross. I didn't quite really see that. And so now that you pointed it out. It's not something that one would kind of take a look at, and I knew there was significance to it. And so it was a subtlety uh, of, and it was precisely. meant to be very subtle to tie it together. Precisely, it's a duality, I guess, too. <laughs> it is, it is, because the idea was to understand you have this five commandments, and that five commandments, when you combine it, you have this ten, and like you were talking about, what holds everything together. It's you. It's your understanding of the whole concept in itself. Well, and we each stand within the tree of life. Each of us mm-hmm. is a depiction mm-hmm. of the tree of life. Each of us, you know, in our being, our you know, our energy goes from source through our body. You know, it's the chakras are, mm-hmm. you know, um, are the same principle. You know, they, they again, it's they are all evolved from the same principle. So true. How should the power of 10 be read? Well, I like to think it should be read first overall once and then kept on your nightstand as sort of one of those books that can be used to just um, tune you up as needed. So I meant it. It's not a long book. It was meant to stay next to your nightstand as something (laughs) you could look at to guide you. And I put commitments at the end of each chapter to help give people ways to anchor the principles into their day-to-day life. I'm glad you brought that up because I thought that was a very nice finishing touch. You can read this, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, okay. And then in the end, it's about action. Absolutely. And and they're designed to have people create their own action steps. They were designed Mm -hmm. to, here's a few ideas, now create some more. So that you build on it because everything is a practice. I mean, I... You know, at the end of the day, do I do more good than I do, you know, do bad? Am I asking for forgiveness when I'm not perfect? None of us are perfect. It's all practice. But the world isn't going to get better if we're not all practicing to do better. That's true. Is it realistic, though, to live as a layperson's life and totally practice the precept that's described in the book? Absolutely. I mean, because the principles are very simple, and it's really about how do I make the best of my life by having a positive attitude, seeing how I interact with other people, you know, where are appropriate boundaries. I mean, you can start out the day by just saying, what kindness can I do each day? And you're already, you know, on your path to living Mm -hmm. the 10 in a very simple way. Very, very interesting. That's true. When and how does one experience joy well i think every time i do something for someone else that i see that uh, that i see you know um somebody feel better about themselves i get joy i mean everything you do in here 
and living your own journey is going to bring joy in your life because joy is really a very simple thing to attain if you if you honor each of the little miracles that occur every single day in your life the first the fact that we're even here is something to be joyful about but you know what are we doing um you know that brings a smile to somebody's face i mean giving somebody you know uh, a little attaboy that you know they you don't know what their day is going on brings mm-hmm. a smile to their face lights up your own heart you know joy is something that is at the end of the day you know in we say in enjoy e n j o y but the point is to be in joy because when we have peace in our lives when we have love in our lives when we have what we need not what we want but what we need we find ourselves in joy and this and the principles help us recognize that it's what we we need that's important you know once mm-hmm. don't fill the soul so true where can someone go to buy your book, get more information about you, and keep up with your latest happenings? Well, I have my website, denisealexanderpile.com, and the book has a link to buying the book. The book is available on Amazon and Kindle and through a lot of booksellers. If you Google my name and the power of 10 on, you know, in the Internet, and you can go to my Facebook um, page, Denise Alexander. Denise Richmond Alexander Pyle. I need to separate my personal, but I haven't yet. And there's a like page there for my book as well. Wonderful. How has writing The Power of Ten impacted you personally? Oh, I think I'm more mindful myself of, you know, how I live my life, how I interact with other people, the positive message I'm um, trying to get, and also I think social consciousness. Even though I've always been a leader. I really see how stealing, for example, the ten, it's about not stealing the resources for the next generation by how we use them today. And so I'm really getting more mindful of what's happening on our planet, even more so than I was before. You know, and I, and I want to do what I can to be a good steward. And so, I mean, when we, we do things for ourselves as well as for one another. That's true. I get it as well that in writing the book, it was a journey for you. Well, life is, you know, life is always a journey. I've always said, may I not fulfill my last dream? But mm-hmm. this journey, it has taken me on a new journey at this stage of my life. From, yeah. um, I think from you know, a spiritual, spiritually connected attorney to a spiritual counselor for the world and along mm-hmm. with many, many other light workers out there such as yourself. I think we're all spiritually counsel- counseling uh, those who want to listen. Everyone does it in a different way, but the transformative energy is out there. And again, it comes back to your idea in terms of you bringing it up. I'm so glad you did, is that we are all antennas, is whether we want to tune in on that particular frequency or not. And so we're right now, you know, we're trying to, in, you know, put that frequency out there, that elevation, you know, the, um, uh, elevates the frequency so that more people see that we, we really can change what's been going on and, you know, enlighten our planet. Right, right, right. So true. What is next for you? Well, I 
hoping to get the book out and that the mm-hmm. me- I really want to get the message out as much as possible and it's learning this is a learning journey I'd never written a book before and you know I self-published did I do it right did I do it wrong that's the journey mm-hmm. too so mm-hmm. I'm just getting it out there and I have some because I have other thoughts that follow from it um, mm-hmm. that I really want to share. So whether it'll be another book, I keep writing. I I put some you know opinion pieces or spiritual pieces out there, tying them together. So that's probably the next thing. I'll probably write, um, you know, using the same principles but applying them broader in terms of how we govern ourselves as a you know as a community, not just mm-hmm. individually. And then um, we'll see. I hope to just. Be a positive light worker for you know the planet. As I said, there's lots of people out there. It's how we all come together so that we really create a transformative event for the planet. Very, very interesting. How does your family fix this entire situation right now? They love I it. Mean, you... <laughs> they love it Wonderful. because, you know, my family, and I'm married to a man who walks the walk. He may uh-huh. not read the books. He may yeah. not, but he just, he was brought up in his, you know, in a Quaker church where the message mm-hmm. just resonated his soul. I think he's an old soul too. Mm-hmm. He just mm-hmm. walks it. I mean, he, you know, he's a good man who, in everything he does, embodies the principles. You know, he make he's like we, John Wayneish. Sometimes he sounds a little gruff, <laughs> but he's he's the one yet who will who will be the first to open a door for a woman. He just mm-hmm. he's just gets it, and I'm so mm-hmm. blessed to have him have my back. Right, that's amazing. What you mentioned just now, which I think is so lack, is this: you can read all kinds of books you want. You can read the Bible, as a matter of fact, and I say this respectfully from page to page, from cover to cover. In the end, are you really living it? Are you walking the walk? That's what it's all about. And my dedication to my book is to Steve, who walks the walk and always mm-hmm. has my back. He Still waters run deep with him. He doesn't have to say much, but his actions speak volumes. So true, so true. By the way, we're coming close to the end of the hour. Since our show is about people, family, and living life, what would you like to share as a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Well, I would say um, two parts of love, two parts of laughter, two parts of gratitude, two parts service, two parts forgiveness. Mix it well and enjoy. (laughs) Simple yet very, very convincing and it draws everything in and you can see the light of joy that just emanates from it well we one thing about i always took my work seriously but i never took myself seriously laughter (laughs) is you know part of the best medicine that we were given and laugh often wonderful that's wonderful well denise thank you for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on from my mama's kitchen talk radio to all our listeners, please join me in two weeks, Tuesday morning, September 11. My guest will be the Honorable Karna Small Botman. She was the highest ranking woman on the White House staff during the Reagan White House years, first as a deputy press secretary and later as senior director of the National Security Council, where she had almost daily meetings with the president. 
Connor and I will be having a conversation about her life's journey and her recently released novel based on her years at the White House and the Reagan Missile Defense System, titled Checkmate. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Denise, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a blessed day. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. McDonald's one two three dollar menu has breakfast, which means now you can get your favorites for one, two, or three dollars. Or, as Jill likes to call it, the I burnt the toast, set off the smoke detector, and filled the apartment with smoke meal. <coughs> Build whatever breakfast you want with McDonald's one two three dollar menu. Get your favorites from McDonald's one two three dollar menu, like a delicious sausage McMuffin or sausage biscuit, each for just one dollar. A la carte only at participating McDonald's for a limited time cannot be combined with any other offer or any combo meal. McDonald's one two three dollar menu has breakfast, which means now you can get your favorites for one, two, or three dollars. Or, as Jill likes to call it, the I burnt the toast, set off the smoke detector, and filled the apartment with smoke meal. <coughs> Build whatever breakfast you want with McDonald's one two three dollar menu. Get your favorites from McDonald's one two three dollar menu, like a delicious sausage McMuffin or sausage biscuit, each for just one dollar. A la carte only at participating McDonald's for a limited time cannot be combined with any other offer or any combo meal.